Hey, welcome back. Uh, so I want to start off with a bit of a, a tangent, even if that if that even makes sense. And I promise I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, so maybe if you guys ever heard of something called vertigo, and vertigo, of course, is is a is a syndrome or it's a condition uh, characterized mostly by dizziness, right? A lot of people call a lot of things vertigo. Uh, but specifically, I want to talk today about something that we, I, I would consider more of a true vertigo. There's a lot of causes of dizziness and lightheadedness. I, I, I work with these patients. You know, I'm not necessarily an expert on it per se. That might be like an ear, nose, and throat specialist or a vestibular specialist, physical therapist. Uh, I'm not quite there yet. However, one of the true causes of you know, true vertigo is something called BPPV, BPPV, benign paroxysmal positional vertigo. And essentially what, what happens, what causes the dizziness is this, is, is that basically within the inner ear, there are a, a series of canals. We call them semicircular canals because they are canals that are semicircular, three on each side, three on the left, three on the right. And these are responsible for your position sense. They're sensitive basically to things like acceleration, uh, forward, backwards, up and down, rotational acceleration. And there's fluid in here that, that moves with that acceleration. And within part of the, this inner ear, there is an area that senses that movement. Uh, you can think of it almost as like hairs, uh, nerve endings, crazy design within our inner ear. But that's essentially what happens. And with BPPV, there are small rocks. People always look at me funny when I say rocks or crystals within these ears. I, I want to say they're calcium carbonate or, or something similar uh, that will break free of where they're supposed to be, sort of float around within the inner ear and thus basically disrupt the, the free flow of that fluid, which causes... Uh, a, a mismatch between the left and the right side of the vestibular system that causes the fluid to not flow correctly, and thus you end up with a ton of dizziness. One of the potential causes of BPPV, but it's not really all that common actually, but one of actually the potential treatments. Now, physical therapists, ear, nose, and throat specialists oftentimes can treat BPPV in a way akin to moving a ball bearing through a maze, moving those rocks back into the correct location be fairly effective um, one of the other potential treatments for one that won't result easily though is to ride a roller coaster and i said i was going somewhere with this that's what this brought to mind i feel like we're riding on a roller coaster this week in in regards to precious metals right i i told you i was going to make sense of this somehow and and there's your tidbit of uh, education for the day uh this feels like a roller coaster. And, and once again, just like last week, uh, I, I guess I'm fortunate that I waited until the end of the week to make my podcast on precious metals. Because if I did it at the very beginning of the week, I would have been, you know, uh, my, my comment section, my, my inbox maybe, would have been filled with people saying, well, look how wrong you were. Because of course, you know, by midweek, silver and gold were crashing. And... Yeah, I use that term not in, in an alarmist way or to exaggerate in any way, shape, or form. The move in silver and gold was was huge relative to the last few years in these markets. But of course, as we wrap up the week here, 
well, we're seeing silver having recovered, you know, pretty significantly. You know, as I talk right now, it's it's in we'll say the mid twenty six dollar range, twenty six seventy one, which yes is considerably lower than the high earlier this week. It's also considerably higher than the low midweek, which was if my memory serves me correctly, in the twenty four twenty three dollar range maybe. Uh, oh, uh, I think overnight trading one night. It's a roller coaster out there. Of course, the gold to silver ratio has been, you know, zipping back and forth uh, as low as the low 70s, as high as the um, high 70s. You know, it's crazy. Uh, and, and so what's next? Well, what is next for precious metals? Well, once again, practically speaking, these crazy moves along with um, the, I don't know if I want to use the term, full-blown shortage, but maybe a bit of an acute shortage in the precious metals markets, which has persisted uh, since know, March of this year, when, when people really started buying, when things got really bad economically and, you know, medically during the, the pandemic. Uh because of that, along with all this volatility, premiums have, have still remained relatively high. I mean, how much, I don't know how much they've even changed in the last week. doesn't mean that there aren't deals to be had, especially on the more private side of things. People that are selling their own precious metals. Uh, I think I saw something, I think the Silverbugs group on Facebook. I don't know if he actually ended up going through with it. He, he was basically saying he's, he was unloading... Uh, a quarter million dollars worth of, of silver. And that's substantial. And I don't know what the prices were like either. Uh, but if you're buying from a you know, major online dealer, you can expect to pay a pretty significant premium. And who knows? Maybe these premiums are going to be with us for a long time. But me, personally, I look at these premiums, and I remember when premiums were hey, a dollar an ounce, maybe on generics, maybe less than that from time to time even less than that sometimes on, you know, 90% silver. Silver Eagles, we're talking 2 to $3 premium. Less than that for something like an Australian, uh, maybe Kangaroo or, or an Austrian Philharmonic. And so now when we're dealing with 5 6 $8, premiums on some of these very same products, it's a little harder for me to stomach. And so practically speaking, regardless of if, you know, silver's going much, much higher, I personally can say that, I don't know, it's hard for me to stomach such high premiums on top of relatively high prices. Not because I don't think they're going to go much higher and that, you know, 35 is our top and we're going to head back down to the 20 range. No, it's it's more so just from the perspective of, well, for years, from 2012 or 13 onward, certainly since 2016, which is when I started to become more interested in the market, uh, silver, you know, silver was was for the most part below twenty dollars an ounce, as low as below fifteen dollars an ounce. So now looking at twenty-five plus dollars silver just looks expensive, even if I know it can go much, much higher. Now, how much higher can it go? Well, I'll put it this way: we're we're dealing with a ton of volatility right now, a ton of volatility, and and I think that going forward, the case is going to continue to be one of of finding resistance and finding support and and rapid movement between those levels 
sometimes breaking through that resistance and hopefully not breaking through that support to the downside. Great example would be earlier this week, silver sort of had had stalled out at you know below $30 an ounce, and pretty quickly the markets decided that's resistance and, and it dropped back down by like $5 in a very short time span. But then again, of course, it found support and it you know, set back up again. Um, you know, one of the things that many people have been talking about in reference to this high volatility and just how quickly this market had moved is that, well, this is a paper market that we're looking at, this spot price, these future prices. Those are paper prices. I mean, we already talked physical prices. They are um, much, much higher than the paper. So with that being said, some have wondered, what does this mean for bullion banks, J.P. Morgan and company, and their uh, pretty traditional short position? I mean, how long has it been? Not how long has it been, but how for how long have I and others been talking, many, many people, much longer than I, talking about this net commercial short position in silver it's it's it, it was a constant for for years for the most part with with few exceptions i believe these massive commercial short positions commercial meaning you know these commercial bullion banks and on the other side of that trade was you know hedge funds speculators etc um well what happens when you're short constantly an asset that that uh, isn't doing a whole lot. You can make a lot of money, especially if you can help move that price to you know an appropriate range to help you make money on that contract. But what happens when when the price explodes from twenty dollars an ounce to you know, almost thirty dollars an ounce in a very short time span? You can end up with a hefty amount of paper losses, right? And so some have surmised that this volatility in the silver market is bullion banks trying to prevent those losses from being fully realized. I think there's some merit to that argument. We can also explain away this just by volatility purely. You know, if you go back to 1980, which yes, I know there's, or 2011, yes, I know there was manipulation back then as well, uh, but those also experienced vicious, what we can call bull market crashes, right? It's in a bull market, but you can still have vicious crashes along the way or vicious dips, right? The same can be true this time around. But I agree that I think bullion banks are in trouble. Those with commercial short positions are in trouble in the silver market. And given the circumstances on the physical supply and demand side, massive demand, falling supply because of coronavirus, plus you know, factors that were in play before that, um, as well as an economic picture, and a monetary picture, which is clearly pointing towards financial repression and, you know, eventually high inflation, if not hyperinflation. You know, you wonder how much these manipulators or bullion banks or what have you can actually force down the price of, of precious metals or suppress them. I mean, could you imagine if silver went back below $20 an ounce? That just doesn't seem realistic to me. And again, I'm just going off feelings here. And I know that's it doesn't hold a lot of stock, necessarily. 
But this is this is a rally that was long overdue for silver. A move above 20, move above 25. I mean, even if you just look at what silver is supposed to be, it's, it's supposed to be a hedge uh, against many things, but specifically inflation. Well, for years, silver was mired below $20 an ounce, despite the fact that inflation, you know, officially was, you know, running between 1% and 3%, unofficially, at least a few percentage points higher, maybe 3 and 5%, right, for years. And yet the price of silver didn't budge meaningfully to the upside. Well, that's, that's not normal. That's not normal in any currency or country or, or, or monetary regime. Eventually, you're going to catch up to that. Right? And so I think we can explain this move to the upside, even without all this other coronavirus. I'm not saying that that's not part of it. Um, the coronavirus recession uh, or, or, or monetary policy or what have you. Those were all huge catalysts, but this was long overdue anyways. Right? And so how realistic is it that commercial shorts or others can, can somehow force this price back down to 20 bucks or whatever level to save their butts to prevent losses on these huge short positions? And what happens once these short positions are reduced or eliminated? Right? What happens when, when commercial banks go net long in a really meaningful way to the you know, um, on the the larger side of things, and and then you can you know probably see speculators of course go short and be on the once again caught on you know the wrong side of the market. Of course, some of them were caught on the right side this time around. But what happens then, right? Many would point out that J.P. Morgan has been on the long side of the silver market for quite a while now, not futures wise, but physical wise, with their massive hoard of physical silver that they've accumulated over you know the last decade or last uh nine years i think it is right what about that and how much is that going to boost silver and gold to the upside these are all important things i think we have to consider i'll leave you with this for the day for the week my podcast um i think we we should not be lulled into a false sense of of normalcy or security uh, following the first half of this year or first you know seven months of this year which were admittedly crazy we had obviously the pandemic the recession and a huge amount of social unrest we should not let our guard down for what will happen in the rest of the year you get what i'm saying here don't be surprised if economic turmoil once again rears its its ugly head, don't be surprised if monetary policy takes another uh, a step in this 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 you know, this move towards hyperinflation, towards debasement of our currency. Don't be surprised if social unrest come election time is ten times worse than what it was. Uh, you know, back in June, don't be surprised if the pandemic and it, the related shutdowns are much worse a month, month and a half from now, three months from now. Don't be surprised if uh, major military conflict erupts by the end of the year. Right? Those are all things that we should um, be prepared for. 2020 is a crazy year. 
right? Don't be surprised if we have a major hurricane. We already had a major wind event through the Midwest last, no, earlier this week. Fortunately, I wasn't caught in it, but many people were, right? Don't be surprised if we have other, you know, crazy things happen, a major, major, major volcano eruption or or earthquake or, or what have you. Um, I, I some Something tells me that in 2020 we're far from over and, and we should not be alone in this whole sense of, of security that just how crazy the first eight months, seven months of, of 2020 were. There's no way that that it can continue or even get worse. Um, don't fall into that false sense of security. As always, I'd like to thank you for my heart for coming into today's podcast. And God bless.